chapter number 23, <coughs> Gospel of Luke, chapter number 23. <coughs> we sung this morning in the service, both in the Sunday school hour and then I asked Brother Tim again to sing it before the preaching hour about Calvary, and that's been on my heart ever since we left this morning. And that's what I want to deal with tonight. And I'm, I don't know how much preaching I do, how long I'll be. I'm, I feel like I'm going to need to read a lot of verses. So I may not, and I'm talking about after I read the text, I need to go to several other places in the Scripture. And so I may read a lot and stay with my Bible, but I believe that's what the Lord wants us to do. And so we'll try our best to be mindful of the Spirit of God. If you'll pray for us, that the Lord will touch us tonight. Luke 23, let's stand together. out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Gospel of Luke, chapter number 23. I begin reading the whole chapters dealing with the events leading up to the crucifixion, the Lord's being arrested in the garden, betrayed into the hands of sinful men. He's been brought already before Herod and Pilate once sent to Herod, brought back to Pilate. Pilate can find no fault in him. The multitude will not have any other way but to crucify him. And so Pilate has, verse 24 said, Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And so he's delivered them. Let's pick up reading tonight in verse number 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, There they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. One of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. When Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, 
he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that sight, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I pondered about Calvary all day. Been on my heart. And I said already this morning that if we ever lose sight of the fact that the message of the church ever changes from Calvary, then we've lost our true message. Now that does not mean that we have to take our text from one of the Gospels every service and preach concerning particularly the account of the crucifixion. But it means the finished work of Christ, that He paid the debt for every man, woman, boy, or girl. It's all through the Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, is the story of Calvary. Even from the very beginning, when God cursed man because of his sin, He said unto the woman that she would conceive and bring forth a child in agony and pain. It said that the serpent would bruise the heel of the man, but there would come a day that that which would come forth of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. That was the prophecy of Christ at Calvary. Abraham going up the mountain in the book of Genesis turned, as Isaac said, Father, the wood and the sacrifice, or the wood and the fire, but where's the lamb for burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God, will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And we understand that on Mount Moriah, God did provide a lamb, but the testimony or the typology or the prophecy was that on that same mountain chain thousands of years later, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, as John said, would take away the sin of the world. Everything in the Scripture all points forward or backward to Calvary. Calvary's the center point, the focal piece of the centerpiece of all the Scripture. And every message which the church proclaims, Calvary is at the center of it all. Calvary's what all our belief and all our doctrine, all our faith and all our hope hinges on Calvary tonight. And if you do away with Calvary, then the door on which our faith and hope swings falls and there is no faith and there is no hope without the finished work of Calvary. Now when I say the finished work of Calvary, it's not just what went on on that coast, on that hillside, but three days later that he got up out of the grave that completed the finished work of Calvary. Christ said it's finished. He didn't say I'm finished. He said it's finished. Every scripture, every prophecy that was prophesied of him, he fulfilled it all. The Bible said not in this gospel but in another they came to him and he was dead already and they break not his legs that the prophecy of the scripture might be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And so everything that was prophesied about Christ and about Calvary and about his word, Christ fulfilled it all at Calvary that day. But I began to read and I'm sure 
that many of you know this. But do you know tonight that as much as we preach about Calvary, and it's all through the Scripture I've said already, and all the songs, I thought about how many songs are in our church hymnals about Calvary. We sung this morning at Calvary. I thought about the song that says, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Singing about Calvary. We sing on a hill far away. Set an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame about Calvary. It's all about Calvary. But I begin to read and it's a stirring in my heart again tonight. Do you understand and know that the word, the word Calvary, that I read in your hearing tonight in Luke 23 and 33, this is the only time in all the scripture that the word Calvary is mentioned. One time in the whole Bible, he uses the word Calvary. Now there's a lot of debate about why. Some say, and it probably is so because of Luke's background, that Luke chose, and it was, it was inspired of God. It wasn't just the choice of Luke, but God used Luke. We understand that. He used Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to preserve the Word of God, but He allowed them and His sovereign will to write by their perspective in Luke of being a doctor and because of his background, more than likely God breathed on Luke, and He allowed Luke to use the Latin word for Calvary, and so we have here Calvary whereas Matthew and John record Golgotha which is the same word but Golgotha is Aramaic which would have been what they were used to and accustomed to use it but here in the Bible Luke says and when they came to the place which is called Calvary one time and the Lord spoke to my heart today and he said once is enough once is enough And it's on my heart tonight to preach on once to Calvary. Once to Calvary. It was enough for the Savior to go once to Calvary. To die. That's why He came. All through the Scripture, He told the disciples, I have not come to live, but I have come to die. He did not come. Now I understand that it was part of the plan of God for Him to live a sinless 33 plus years. I understand it was part of the plan of God that the miracles that Christ did were simply a testimony and an infallible proof to the fact that He was the Son of God. Every lame man that He raised up to His feet was a testimony that He was the Son of God. Every blind man that He gave His sight back was a testimony that He was the Son of God. Every dead person that He raised from the dead when He called for Lazarus to come forth, it was a testimony that He was the Son of God. And not only was He the Son of God, but on that particular day it was a testimony that He was the resurrection and the life. And that if anybody believed on Him, they were dead, yet He should live. And when He touched the body that day and the widow named Son was being carried out, He was testifying that He was the Son of God. And the Son of God came to give life. Every miracle that He did pointed to Calvary. When He gave the blind man His sight, it pointed the fact that He came to give sight to blind sinners. And when He raised the lame man to His feet, it signified that He came to pull sinful man up out of the condition that He could not pull Himself up out of. Everything Christ did all while He was on the earth all pointed to Calvary. 
but it only went one time. Now there were several times in the Scripture, and I'm glad that God is a God of again. There were times in the Scripture where the Bible record, and again He entered into Capernaum. And again He entered into Capernaum. And again He came into Galilee. And again He went here. And again He went there. But thank God tonight, it's not recorded ever, nor will it ever be, that again He went to Calvary. I thought about the writer of the song said, when He returns the second time, He won't have Calvary's hill to climb, and there'll not be a crown of thorns upon His head. He'll not be mocked and scorned by all. I'm glad tonight, but He'll be King. Not will He be, He already is King. But He'll return as King. Calvary, one at Calvary, once was enough for the Savior to die once was sufficient at Calvary. I begin to think nice. I said tonight I need to read some scripture. And I'm going to, and you just hear, if the word of God can't stir your heart, I can't. But if it'll stir in you like it stirred in me today, it'll help you tonight. Thanks be unto God. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 9 said, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no dominion over him. Verse number 10, For him that he died, he died unto sin once. That in, and in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. The Apostle Paul said he died once. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 27. Let's back up to verse number 24. But this man, because he continued forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth, and maketh intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily as those high priests of the Old Testament to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins then for the people for this he did once when he offered up himself. Hebrews 9, 7 but into the second talking about the second holy place not made with hands went the high priest alone once every year this speaks of the earthly tabernacle. There was a holy of a holy place and then there was a holy of holies. And so the writer of Hebrews speaks of that second and into that no other man could go but the high priest and the earthly high priest went alone once every year not without blood which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Bible said in verse number 9 which was a figure for the time then present. In verse number 11 it said but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is to say, not this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctified the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For then, in verse 
24, for Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered in the holy place every year with blood of others, for then he must often have suffered. That means if it was the way it was in the Old Testament, then Calvary would have been a yearly thing, but it's not. He said, for thence he must often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world have the appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and as it is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation Hebrews 10 9 then he said lo I come to do thy will O God he taketh away the first, that's the first covenant that he may establish, the second by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Peter said in 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit. I like all them, I underlined them as I was reading today and the Lord did in my heart once. Just once. He went to Calvary once. And once was enough. Once was not enough in the Old Testament when they brought that heifer or that bullock or that goat or that turtle dove and brought its blood, then when the year came again, they had to go back and do it again. Once was not enough. But I'm glad when he went, the Bible said neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Once is enough. Once to Calvary. Once to Calvary was enough for the Savior to die. But then the Lord spoke to my heart, and I'm done tonight. Once to Calvary is enough for the sinner to be delivered. Just one trip is all it takes. Now, I'm not talking about that you've got to get on an airplane and fly across the ocean. They're not even really sure where it was at. They got a lot of supposed things to two particular sites and they're always fighting over which one's right. It's irrelevant. We know that Calvary was a spiritual work, not a physical work. It don't really matter what, and I don't say that irreverently, but it doesn't matter about where it took place. It's what took place and who it was that did the work. But once to Calvary, you don't have to get on a plane, fly across the water, but by faith. If you've ever been saved tonight, it's because by faith the Holy Ghost of God took you by the hand and led you to Calvary. And you came, the old preachers used to talk about coming under the drippings of old Calvary. That's what a sinner has to do. That's what the writer said there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their, all their guilty stains. All of them, past, present, and future, all of them gone. I'm glad tonight I've not had now. There have been days that the Lord's took me back to Calvary to get a fresh glimpse again of what He did, but I've never had to go again to be delivered. Once was enough for Him to die. And once is enough for you to be delivered. I'm glad I know that. I'm glad I've been to Calvary once. Ain't you glad? If you're saved tonight, ain't you glad you've been to Calvary once? 
I thought about and I don't know who wrote it and I don't really know how spiritual it is but it come to my heart today while I was uh, thinking and pondering and meditating and getting ready for church tonight the primitives I think maybe sing it and I've heard some other quartets talk about it you know this man wrote about how in a dream he was there when they crucified Jesus they said in my dream I saw his great agony he said and I ran to the man that was piercing his body he said, when I pulled him away, that soldier was me. And I'm going to tell you the reason he died was for you. The reason he went, the reason he went to Calvary is so you could go to Calvary. And he don't want you to go and die as far as he don't want you to give your life's blood. But Calvary's the place of death. And if he ever takes you to Calvary, then you'll die out to self. You'll die out to the flesh. You'll die out to your wants, your will, your wishes. And if you'll ever die at Calvary, there'll be life given at Calvary. And they talk about death. I know that Calvary is a place of death. But greater than that, it was a place of life. And that out of his death came life. And life more abundantly. There's Forward, and it brings life to all that are plunged in. And once to Calvary is enough for you to be delivered. In all the chapters and all the verses of all the Word of God, I really, in my heart, and I don't know if you're supposed to do this or not, but in my heart, I really just pondered and I really asked the Lord. Why did you just put it in there once? If, if Calvary is what we... And I know it's not so much just the Word. And I'm not magnifying just the Word. But if Calvary is what it all hinges on. And I, He really did speak in my heart. And He said once was all it took. Once was enough. I'm glad when they led Him up the mountain. They didn't... They, they, songwriters, they put their spin on... Let's just take the Bible. They didn't whip Him up the hill. They didn't push him up the hill. They didn't prod him up the hill. They didn't goad him on his way. But the Bible said he set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. They said, we don't understand why you want to go there. The Jews saw the lake to stone thee. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. He said, no man's going to take my life either. He said, I got power to lay it down. And he said, if I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to take it again. I'm going to tell you tonight, it would not have mattered. I understand that the prophecies were there and he fulfilled it all. But it would not have mattered if they had broke his legs. He still would never have died. His bright life would have never left his body until he yielded up the ghost. Death had no hold on him because he had no sin. The power of sin, the power of death is sin. There was no, he was sinless, holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. But he who knew no sin was made to become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so he hung there. We sung this morning. I don't know if it pricked your heart or stirred in you at all. But we sung this morning, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Oh, the grace 
Oh, there was so much manifested at Calvary. Love was on display. Grace was manifest. Mercy was manifest. Pardon was manifest. Everything, every attribute, every quality, every characteristic about God was all displayed at one time at Calvary. And the writer, I don't know that it could be written any better by human mind or human instrumentality when the writer said, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan all the eons ago before time ever was, before man was ever created in the mind of God, in the mind of Christ, Calvary's plan was already written down. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. That's why the angel said, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And for unto you, unto you, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the grace of God brought it down to man. Wasn't just a it, it was a him. The grace of God brought him down. The plan of salvation is not so much a plan as an A, B, and C as it is in a person of Jesus Christ. That's why John said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. And then I thought about that last phrase in that verse. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span. As he hung, suspended between heaven and earth, at Calvary a work was done that no other person, no other being could ever do. When God, the God-man, took hold of man because he was man, and took hold of God because he was God, and bridged the gulf, the gap that sin had created between an unholy man and a holy God. At Calvary, that gulf was spanned. He was hung suspended between heaven and earth, signifying that he was not accepted on the earth. And because he who knew no sin had become sin, his father had turned his back on him and he could not be accepted at that time in heaven. But he took hold of both because he was the God-man, the mediator, God incarnate in the flesh. And he spanned the gulf that no man could span. And the writer said, Mercy there was great. And grace was free. Ain't that something? I mean, I don't know if it went home with you. If it didn't, I'm not belittling you or browbeating you, but it went home with me today. Mercy there was great. And grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. You say, what was he saying? He was talking about that he was not the first one that had ever made the trip to Calvary. That others had been pardoned. But he said, when I got there by faith, I didn't find the fountain exhausted. I didn't find grace exhausted. I didn't find mercy incomplete. But he said, there at Calvary, pardon was multiplied to me. He said, I was brought in. It was given to me just like everybody else that had ever come before. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Just once, once is enough. We read it in your hearing tonight. We don't have to take what songwriters have written. But the writer of Hebrews said he appeared once to put away sin and then 
And to those that look for Him, He'll appear the second time unto salvation. I'm glad once was enough. He's not coming back to go to Calvary. The work of Calvary has already been finished. Once was enough. Once for the Savior to die. Once for the sinner to be delivered. Calvary's enough. Now I'm going to tell you tonight, I've got a lot of people that are looking for a lot of games and a lot of gimmicks and a lot of hooks and a lot of pulls. But I'm going to tell you tonight, if Calvary ain't enough, we're wasting our time. If Calvary's not enough, we're wasting our time. Because Calvary's the only way. It was there at Calvary that the fountain was opened. It was there at Calvary that the bridge was the gulf was bridged and spanned between God and man. And once at Calvary, the work, the completed, the finished work of Calvary. Anytime we speak about Calvary, it should always be spoken of as a finished, completed work. There's nothing left to be added to Calvary. The reason sinners are saved at Calvary is not that a sinner being saved is completing or added to, but it's that the finished work is being supplied to the sinner at Calvary. We read tonight the one time in all the Scripture that about Calvary, Calvary was mentioned. But once is enough. If, that's the only, if, if we had a scripture tonight, if this whole book, if all that was contained, in, and I understand this is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word, and I'm not trying to change it or take away or do disrespect, but if all that was mentioned in this whole book from page one to the last page was Calvary, it'd be sufficient. And in reality, that really is about all that is mentioned about that time to come when Calvary would be and that time when Calvary was and then pointing back to when Calvary happened. That's what this book's all about. This is a Calvary book. And once at Calvary was sufficient for all. Father, I thank You tonight for the privilege to be in the house of God. I'm glad tonight, Lord, to be saved. I'm glad, Lord, tonight that I've been to Calvary. Lord, I'm glad for the completed work that you did there for my soul. Or that I wouldn't, I understand, Lord, that it's not necessarily about heaven and hell, but I'm glad I don't have to go to hell. And I get to go where you are, Lord. It's not about the gates of pearl. It's not about the street of gold. It's just being where you are for all eternity. Lord, I get to go because of Calvary. Not any work, the Bible said, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to your mercy, you saved us. And I'm glad tonight to be in on it. I'm glad, Lord, that I know what the writer's talking about when they said mercy there was great and grace was free and pardon there was multiplied to me. I'm glad, Lord, tonight for Calvary. Thank you, Lord. I know it ain't all in a feeling, but I thank you for what I feel in my heart tonight. I'm glad, Lord, that Calvary still thrills my heart. In a day, Lord, when people have become numb and calloused, Lord, to Calvary, I'm glad it still thrills my soul down inside. To know, Lord, that You would come and bridge the gulf, Lord, that I couldn't span. Lord, that You would take my sin and my hell, my wrath, my punishment, my affliction. Lord, that You might take my death. Lord, that through You I might have life. And have it more abundantly, Lord. It stirs in me and I thank you for it. 
I know, Lord, tonight I'm not worthy. And you don't ask me to be worthy, but you make me worthy. The writer said, I am made worthy by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm glad tonight that I am. Lord, as it was that dark night in Egypt, Lord, so it is today with the people of God. It's not about who we are or what we've done. But Lord, all you're interested in is the blood. And when you see the blood, it's sufficient for you. And I'm glad tonight that the blood has been applied. I thank you, Lord, tonight for the opportunity and the great privilege to be in the house of God among your people. I'm glad tonight to be reminded of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, that it's fresh and real again in my soul and spirit today. May the Word of God do its work in your people. May it encourage us. May, Lord, we by faith take a trip again up that lonely hillside outside the gate of the city where you took our reproach and our sin and shame and completed a work, Lord, to give us everlasting life. Lord, may it be real to us again. May it be fresh. May we get a fresh glimpse of that wonderful place called Calvary. We love you tonight, Lord, and realize we couldn't even say or do that had it not been that you first loved us. Lord, we ask tonight that out of everything that's been done or said here today, that you'd get the honor and the glory for your worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.